Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What is up, Ray? Tristan, we are together early again. Early in the morning, and and again, I sort of mentioned this off air, but you're just going to have to carry this one while I nod and grunt. This is the like 4 a.m. for me. Not a morning person, eh? Nah, you know what? I'm fine, but I don't know if my mind really wakes up until like noon. Should we tell people it's 1130? (laughs) (laughs) So 30 more minutes, I should be good. We're we're pretty early. Um, But it was a a pretty drive. I know you don't have too far to go, but um, maybe I shouldn't hit this, Drizzen. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Remember the day we had four... Pictures of me on the computer. And then, oh, <laughs> I, 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 so I've already digressed. Pretty morning. It was a beautiful drive down, but I think it was Tuesday. I was in the office and I had to print something. And I guess, so sometimes my printer's offline. And I, I've actually, to my own credit, I'm able to get it back online by hitting like a troubleshooter and a test page. But what happens is it takes what you're printing and puts it into a queue. And I have to delete that before. I print again, or it'll, well, I didn't do that. So I had like four things in the queue, but it was copies. So, so basically, I wanted to copy nine pages and copied about what's nine to 36, 36 pages, pages? Yeah. which is just a complete waste of ink. And you know how expensive the ink is. And Lucas is just like, why do we let you touch machines? Don't, don't touch any machines. But, but after a huge rain yesterday, it was a beautiful sunny day. And now you're starting to get the winter view, which is a different look. And um, again, I've said this before on this podcast, I drive probably 12 miles from Richmond to Berea, and it's just a beautiful drive. And ironically, it's an interstate drive. Most interstates are boring, but it's really, Madison County is a pretty county. No disagreement. No. You've got the Appalachian foothills, you know, looking uh, east towards the pinnacles, and um, I I guess that would be the Appalachian foothills, right? Uh, Yeah. As you get the pinnacles and Estill County and keep going, and you're deep in it. Yeah, exactly. Down in your country. The Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. And, you know, part of the reason I live out toward Paint Lick, as I would say, talking to a local, um, and that, man, you get off the interstate and there's about a four-mile drive to my subdivision, and it's just the nicest, most stress-relieving little three-mile drive, and it's so pretty, and, you know. I do it sometimes coming home. I I can be home from my house to galaxy is at 12 minutes probably but sometimes i take as the kids used to call it when they were little one of daddy's long cuts <laughs> and i'll just go out like red house road and come the back way because it is you you forget how rural this county is it's yeah and i think this is like a great kind of place to live which is sort of the best of both worlds and of course everybody has um that the what they that like are sort of yeah. outside the city but it's like you're close enough to like 
Cincinnati, Louisville, Lexington for, you know, a really close city. But, like, you could really be in the middle of nowhere in 20 minutes. Oh, so, or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's or pretty, less. pretty cool. Now, I did get a text from my brother Sunday. He and his wife went into Manhattan to see uh, Death of a Salesman, which now has an all-black cast. Oh, and cool. I can't I can't tell you the actor's name that played Willie Loman, but he was on The Wire. But it's third time Tommy saw it. Uh, Brian Dennehy, the late Brian Dennehy, played Are you familiar with Death of a Salesman? I'm sure you are. Semi, yeah. Okay. Well, it's one of the great American plays. Willie yeah. Loman, and he's fighting with it. So it's it basically all takes place in the kitchen of the Loman house it's the two sons and the parents and Willie is just a tragic character and Arthur Miller the great playwright said he based Willie Loman on one of his uncles he's a salesman and he's sort of hit mid 50s and his boys are growing and he realizes that you know his dreams really haven't been fulfilled but Tommy said and I I have been to many a musical and I don't know if I've ever been to a dramatic play I'd love to go um, you know, just watching a drama, leave the, leave the musical out of it, sure. as Jaeger would say. Same. But he said it's like sitting in a theater um, watching this family. It's, it's like a, a domestic intervention. Like you almost get anxious for the family because the, anxiety, you know, because the tension is so thick. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, really cool. But he, um, he sent me a text to say they had gone to see a matinee, Death of a Salesman, and he forgot how much he loves New York City in December. Oh, yeah. It's just a beautiful place. It is. So, you know, that's that country city. You know, everything's beautiful. Yeah. Not, not everything. There's Kansas. But, <laughs> but, you know, every place has its Ohio. beauty. And and Manhattan certainly has, you know, ha- has its appeal, um, you know, 12 months out of the year. But they really do it right at Christmas. Yeah. And, and I could have lived there at 25. And, and you know, kind of wish I, I would have given it a go. I think it would have been a lot of fun. But now it definitely is the type of place that... You know, as an idiot tourist, you can't beat New York City. Yeah, it's funny because he harbors this dream of retiring and living there for like one year just because, and to take advantage of the theater and the restaurants and the sports and so on and That'd so forth. That'd be great. Yeah, it would be pretty yeah. cool. Um, now, prices had dropped during COVID. Then, of course, they spiked. But now, um, and by the way, this is a extreme common sense where we sort of just talk about topics <laughs> slightly off topic we don't really script it's so over board our 50 listeners are very very familiar with the uh, f- uh, shoot yeah the, freedom the, of flow the, the of format our, yeah. yeah but or lack thereof Indeed. but um uh, prices are now starting to drop again and and homes are staying on the market remember when houses were selling in a fucking four hours oh yeah <laughs> Not happening now. Yeah, those rates, the rates, sure. I think, have, which uh, went up another fifty cent, uh, five, whatever Half a it is, percent. yeah, yes, five hundred bonus points, whatever yeah. or basis points. Um, so, but Tristan, still, man, I'll say it again, and here we are in the, th- the thick of the Christmas season, the shopping season, and I haven't done a lot of shopping. Patty's made up for it because she certainly has, but I don't see people spending less money. No, that's a great point. And I, you know, and I continue to make it. I talked to a client yesterday. Um, I'll say at my job, it was the busiest and, um, you know, most, <coughs> excuse me, financially yeah. successful year that I've had. There you go. In 17. And, and, and I can say that about Galaxy Ball. Nice. And yeah. and I think that's that's a lot of businesses. I think it was a, a, a HVAC place in Richmond, and he said it was just by far the best. So, so yeah, people are still, you, you, there's no lack of cars on the interstate. There's no lack of people calling for business. You, uh, This was the quote I was, actually, no, it was H&R Block. I was talking to my client, H&R Block. I was like, people might complain about the inflation and the gas prices, which have leveled off quite a bit. But they have. I saw two sixty nine this morning. Yeah, but you're still spending that money. I mean, it's not like you're you're not spending. 
No, and I've said 10 times on here, the bowling business is a bit of a canary in a coal mine because you <laughs> you have to go to the food store, you have to get gas, you have to put tires on your car if they're if they're bad. You don't have to come and bowl, and we've had another record year. You know, Now, some people will counter that by saying, well, it's, it's relatively cheap entertainment or quote-unquote a vacation if you can't bring the kids to Disney, you can take them to the bowling alley. Okay, I get that a bit, but you, know, you don't have to bowl, and we've had a banner year, so I, I, man, I don't know, Tristan. It's I was reading yesterday. Uh, still, we're going to be probably in a recession in the early part of twenty three, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I still think the thing that doesn't get counted is that wages are way up from twenty nineteen to True. today. Wages are way up, and when people have more money, they're spending more money, right? And prices increase. I mean, that's sort of econ one hundred and one. Yeah, boy, I know I am. I, you know, I I wish that was one of those situations. I, I wish I was better at. You know, you've got 20 extra thousand dollars this year. Like, that's what you've got to put back and save. But I'm like, oh, 20 extra thousand dollars to blow on cars and watches. So, so that's your Irish side. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I don't, uh, there's no stereotypical good with money. I have none of that. You got to so. call some of those California folks and get some advice. Oh, you just you, like spending money, huh? Well, again, man, and I go to it a lot. I just, I think when you grow up very poor and you want stuff and then, you hit a point in your life where, you know, and again, I'm 40 years old with no kids and you right, know, right, right, two right. incomes coming in. And, you know, I can, if I want to go somewhere, we can go. If we want to buy something, typically we can buy it. And it's, uh, it's hard to regulate that because in my wife, you know, she didn't grow up with a silver spoon, but she's very much like her Christmas list. It's funny. It's like, I want a pair of jeans from Kohl's and like some socks. And I'm just like, man, I wonder if your, yours looks like uh, Randy, dad, like yeah, uh, Uncle Eddie, Randy I'm, Quaid. I'm, like, I wonder if you can get a Lamborghini with Gucci seats. I wonder if that's a thing you can buy. So, like, we're so different. But, again, it just it's just, you know, the poorness. And I've got to get out of my brain that, you know, like, success is, uh, you know, shown by cool, stuff. fun stuff. But I do like fun that's, stuff. That's a very like, 80s mentality. But, you, yeah, you were born in. 80. 80. Well, there you go. Yeah. As Reagan ushered in the me, me, me decade, you yeah. were you were an 80s kid. That's funny. <laughs> Born in 1980. That's so it. you came in with Reagan. Right. Because the 80s were all about, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. I remember that phrase. You don't hear that much anymore. That's it was funny. A, it was a damn bumper sticker. It was. He who dies with the most toys wins. Well, I just see my, I guess my mentality on life, or I guess my creed is just, I mean, what is the point of this life if it's not to have fun? And to be happy because, you know, we've all spent a part of our life miserable or sad or depressed or anxious or whatever. So like to, for me, if something makes me happy within reason, doesn't hurt somebody else. I'm going to try to do that. And for me, it's oftentimes stuff and cars. So, right. And it's not that I'm like, oh, look at me or I'm trying to spend a lot of money or anything like that. But, you know, I really enjoy it. It's a it's a pleasure. I get that. I do. Yeah. I've, I've never been that guy driven by stuff, but I totally understand that. There's a there's well, a you've phrase. Got kids and kids are expensive. I mean, you know, Ray still lives yeah. with us and we tease all the time. Uh, something came up yesterday. Um, oh, OK. So this I can tell you where we took a trip last night up to um, Northern Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati, to NKU, Northern Kentucky University. And we took Ray's car up, and his tires are a little bad. And Patty drove home. It was fucking pouring last night. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So we're going to get him new tires. And I was like, uh, you could help pay for those. Oh, no. You know, she's the mom. I mean, this kid's 27. I love him to death. He still lives with us. He's not paying. He can help out. No, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll buy him the tires. What's most important is the tires get on. But, um, you know, and I don't think he's listening as much anymore because when he hears this, he'll be like, damn it, Dad. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, 
you wind up spending money on your children all the way up. It doesn't really stop. And, sure. and, and you know, it's wonderful. You wouldn't trade it for the world, but there's an expense to kids. There's no doubt about oh, it. A huge expense. Yeah. And when I was just having this conversation. It's funny. Oh, let me say this first about your son. Had the best text exchange with him uh, after our Christmas party. What a, Your kids, and I actually saw Brielle at the, the Christmas party for a minute. Your kids are just wonderful human beings, and I've said it a time or two on air. But every really interaction that. that that I have with them, it's just it's always pleasant, and I always leave like, man, they're just wonderful. If people. only their father were that way, huh? So I know now. That yes, comes from I would Patty. also say, where you know, Patty we, must have done a great job Ray raising is just those a kids. Miserable. <laughs> Patty is always a, depressed. Patty is one hell of a person. <laughs> but uh, um, no, it's funny. As I was growing up, 16, 17, 18 years old, when my vehicles would need tires. I would sell them because I couldn't afford to go get tires. So you know, <laughs> that's great on shotgun street in Rose Hill, Virginia, which is the true name of the street. I grew up shotgun on street, which is exactly what you're picturing it in your mind. That's I would great. Say. It was, you know, you drive a car <laughs> and you'd start to see the metal wires come out and it was like, fuck, I've got to trade this. <laughs> So, you know, you'd have a nice... So, you've been trading cars a long time. Yeah. That's so, funny. So as opposed to, like, I don't have $400 for tires. So, you want to hear the opposite of that? My nephew who went to Yale, uh, Tommy's son, my nephew Kyle, who got married six weeks ago, whatever. His first year at Yale, he told... I have no idea what this kid's name, but he told this story. So, four of them lived together in basically a quad. This fucking kid he lived with had so much money that he never did any laundry Tristan, he'd let the laundry pile up and just go buy new clothes when his <laughs> clothes were dirty. So that's the opposite, huh? Wow. Can you imagine this no, prick? No. Can you imagine trying to deal with a little asshole like that? But how do you exist in the world knowing that's your like exactly I mean, you have what's to, your reality you're just running a company or something i guess or you own your own business and <laughs> you never have to listen to anybody else because you're just i mean that well, they call is, it fu money right yeah yeah. I guess, yeah can you imagine you just be like no. oh god and you know some professor has to deal with this little a-hole that, <laughs> now that's a an interest that would be an interesting uh documentary you know i mean a lot of the ivy league professors are uppity crust themselves but just dealing with some of these kids of privilege and how and i'm sure there's wonderful ones don't get me wrong oh, but there's the stereotypical assholes and what yeah. you just want to backhand these kids right oh, yeah muffy and buffy and <laughs> that but that would be a great show i mean just to see how some of these people live and then you know on the flip side of it you you could have that reality show and you're half of that's in rural appalachia or alabama and you're following around a few families and then you go you know the the polarity in this country between the poor and the rich is Pretty intense. Worse, I, and worse divide, than it's ever been, I think. Yeah, and it's getting bigger. It, getting bigger, right. Yeah. I mean, the, the 1890s was legendary with the robber barons and pre-unions and so forth. And then it greatly leveled off in the 50s, the height of union enrollment. And now, you know, it, that disparity is incredible. So, you know, you, you can take the, if you can't beat them, join them and just say, fuck it, what can I do? You know, I mean... Here we are in little old Richmond, Kentucky. We're talking about the beauty of the county and, and driving from Richmond to Berea, Madison County, Kentucky. Tristan, and I know you've seen it. There is a homeless encampment at Exit 90. Yeah. I saw it just In the Richmond, other day. Kentucky. And with the leaves gone, you can really see it. You know, there's probably a dozen people living up in that fucking homeless encampment in damn Madison County, Kentucky. Come and on Berea's now. And has got a bunch of homeless now. I mean, and this is, this to me is like in the last, I don't know, what, six, seven years? -ish? I think so. Five years post-COVID, man. I don't know. Through COVID. But yes, I don't remember it five years and ago. And it's, all, you know, you, you don't go to a major intersection stoplight without somebody trying to get some money from you. And, and that's why they're encamped. Uh, so... So sort of paint a picture for you. Exit 90 is where I come off. So you can go south, you can go north, and in between is a mound 
quite literally like a triangular mound of, of, you know, brush. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know, 40, 50 feet wide. And it's a little ridge. And up on that ridge is a whole line of ah, not even tents. It's like plastic. What you would imagine. You said shotgun road. Just imagine a, an road. encampment of uh, um, 12 people living, you, you know, day to day. And they live right there so they can walk to work. They can walk to the interstate yeah. and panhandle. It's amazing. You know, I would go visit my uh, my father in the 1990s in California, uh, Marin County, just outside the Bay Area. And you would see homeless people, and it was just the wildest thing. Wow, homeless people. And it really took a in long In the city, time. though. It was in the city. city Or even city-ish, city-ish. Town-ish, yeah. yeah. But, um, but, and now it is even here in, in these rural, rural yeah, Appalachia. Yeah, it's... it's everywhere crazy man literally everywhere you know i don't want to say if it's in richmond kentucky it's everywhere but if it's in richmond kentucky it's It's, everywhere it's everywhere you know it's just crazy all right so back to the trip up north so we head up to nku because eastern played um, at northern kentucky and have you ever been never been to the university no no. me either my first time and i'm not exactly sure what town that is you know northern kentucky reminds me a lot of where i grew up in north jersey because town just runs into town you don't know if you're in hebron florence burlington they just all erlanger they just all run together i mean it's a busy part of the world it really is it's the southern cincinnati suburbs people talk a lot about cincinnati but man like you said hebron and all those like those are almost more city than cincinnati yeah no it's it's a busy part of the world and and we hit a we hit an accident actually and 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 caused the uh you know we, we we it took us much longer it was an hour and a half trip that took two and a half, but we made it in, and uh, it was a wonderful game. Eastern unfortunately lost by three, but they had a shot at the end to tie it. It was a real good game, but the uh, the arena that NKU plays in, I hate to say this, it just puts McBray Arena to shame, man. Because I said to Ray, if you're, you know, they're recruiting the same kids. If you visit NKU and then come down to Eastern, man, it's like a no brainer. So I think the deal on that, I think they call it. Theist Arena, T-H-E-I-S-T, and I guess Theist is a maybe a financial company, and I think they built the arena, and the university sort of leases it back from them, and they split revenue and such. Nice. So they had somebody with deep pockets, but I mean, it's a it seats twelve thousand, and it's just this beautiful little wow. arena. Yeah, man, it was it was it was really really nice, and I think that checked off the last state school for me. If you count the state schools in Kentucky, and I'm sorry if I leave one out. Of course, start with the biggies: UK, U of L. Been to both of those, obviously. Then you go Eastern, Western, Kentucky. Been to both of them. Uh, Moorhead, been there. Murray State, which is the one that's way out, five-hour drive from us. And I know that because Ray spent uh, summer between his junior and senior year, 2012, at Murray State for six weeks doing a Governor Scholar program. Nice. Yeah, so we went out to Murray. And then the only one I hadn't been to was NKU. And we went up there last night. So I think I've been to all the Kentucky State schools now. Man, which that's is pretty cool. cool. Yeah, it is cool. Nice. And they're all, you know, they're all pretty nice. Western's got a hell of a campus. I mean, Eastern's campus is very nice. It is really pretty yeah, campus. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's a nice area. Yeah. And they are dumping $30 million into McBrayer Arena. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, so so at the end of this basketball season, in fact, they're already moving the offices. So I think March 1st is the target date. They're going to be closed. Eastern will not be playing basketball here next year. In fact, they're trying to get down to the Seabury Center, which is another really? beautiful facility. It is very nice. Yeah, so they're trying to play some games at Seabury, which is on Berea College's campus. They're trying to use Georgetown, and they're doing a $30 million renovation on McBrayer Arena. And how cool is that? You know the, that? the wall? That uh, McBrayer, it's got the wall uh, down on the court. It's six yeah. feet up. Well, the yeah. wall's going to go down. Seats are going to come to the floor. They're oh, going to build cool. some suites. And yeah, 
Well, that'll be awesome. Th- Thirty mil is not a little bit of money. No, that's a that's a bit of an investment. And it's again, they're going to miss the twenty three twenty four basketball season while they're doing this renovation. Yeah. So it should should take about eighteen months as the tentative target. Wow. Well, that'll be a good thing, I'm sure, for Berea College and for Georgetown. There's some definitely some money there, I'm sure, to be uh, made from. Hosting D1 basketball games. Uh, Seabury Center is just a beautiful facility. Love Seabury. Yeah, I mean, Berea College does a good job for their size. Well, and it's obvious that, you know, there's a couple of bucks at Berea College because that is a very nice facility. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, 12,000 seats at uh, At Thice. NKU. How many seats does... Uh, 6,500 at McBrayer. Okay, I would have guessed so, five or six. Yeah, so okay. they'll add to that. If it's packed at McBrayer, it's 6,500 seats. Yeah. You know the biggest crowd I ever saw? Well, Eastern Western, which is the shame that they don't play them every year. Eastern Western brings a huge crowd. They played this year. The PA dropped. Did I tell you that story? I think I did. I don't think so. The fucking public address system. They blew three amplifiers and never got it. Biggest crowd they're going to have oh, all year. No. So I sat there courtside and watched the game. Very embarrassing for Easter. That's kind of oh, shit that can't happen. Yeah. That ain't happening at you know, UK or even Northern. And I'm right. not picking on anybody. Shit happens. I get it. I DJed for 30 years. But, you know. So I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs because there's nothing. And Hamilton, Sean Hamilton, a friend of ours, does the uh, encore promotions with a wireless mic. And he had yeah. six of them lined up. Couldn't yeah. do one. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, the band was there. Couldn't play any music. I mean, the fucking oh. PA dropped out. So wow. it was terrible. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah, it did. But um, uh, the biggest crowd I ever saw at McBrayer Trisden was the year that Central won 10 years ago. Their state championship in 2013. With Dominique Hawkins. Yep. And it was the final four, you know, the winner going to Rupp to play in the Sweet 16. And it was Central, Lexington Catholic, um, Scott County with Billy Hicks when they were so good. And then one of the Lexington schools, I want to say, you know, Bryan Station or one of the Lexington schools. And honest to goodness, uh, that Central Catholic game, which was the final you could not have put another person in there with a shoehorn. It was absolutely standing room only at McBray Arena, which was really cool. Wow. And just loud and raucous and crazy. And, you know, it, I wish Eastern could draw those crowds every night. So if it seats 65, Eastern probably averages 25 at their games, 3,000 maybe. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. So. And Donna counts for 10. And Donna counts for 10. Donna oh really is the, the super fan. If you're a local, you... You know I, Donna. I'm friends with her husband, very good, and, and I see Donna periodically. Just the best people in the world, but man. I don't know how I'm, she does it. I've never known like one of those people, like the super fan type people. A true fanatic. A you know, fan is yeah. short for fanatic, and That's Donna it. is an absolute fanatic. I had a ref come over one day and say, because she'll wear the refs out. Hey! You know, if they're playing Moorhead, she'll yell, what year did you graduate Moorhead? And she's, to, so to describe Donna, she's what, about 5'5"? Five, five? Yeah. And she's she's gotten older now. She's in her mid-50s. But I yeah. remember 20 years ago, she had arms bigger than Schwarzenegger, right? Yes. Donna is a personal trainer. She'd wear those cut-off sleeves. Those guns would be showing. And she is loud and 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 just crazy. In fact, the day that the PA went out, uh, Jeremiah Dorison, who works the table with me, said, Ray, we're going to get you Donna's megaphone, <laughs> which was a great line. But Donna never stops yelling from the start of the game to the end of the game. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how you have that kind of energy. And I, love, I don't either, man. I love my team. I don't either. You know, go Reds, go 49ers. Yeah. Like, but I can't imagine being that into it. Like, maybe if I had kids and they were, you know, just dominant athletes, maybe I would find, like, channel a smidge of that. But, man, I... But that ref walked over and he said, man, does she ever stop? So, obviously, the ref 
referees hear it, you know. Yeah. They, they do their best to put it out of their mind, but the refs hear the, you know, hear it. Too funny. Well, man, let me uh, let me do a really shitty segue. No. And, uh, how about Twitch yesterday? Are you familiar with this story? Uh, you know, you got to inform me. Twitch is like a gamer's site or something? I mean, probably, but that's not what I'm talking about. The, um, the I guess, Ellen's... Sort of oh, co-host who, who, on the uh, committed Generous suicide. Show. Yeah, the the DJ. Yeah, DJ dancer. So I know that, but I don't know what happened on Twitch. His name is Twitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about. I think Dan would know. We we're here at Bad Wolf Gaming. I believe Twitch is a site that gamers yeah, use to talk yes, about. Yes, it is shit. also okay. that. Yeah. But Twitch was his nickname on the show. No, I think that's we is just his name generally. I don't know if it was his birth name, but yeah, probably and his nickname. Committed for a long suicide. Time. I mean, I didn't watch Ellen a lot, but I did know him. And so, talk about depression. Is that what you're going to say? Well, I don't know what the conversation is, but fuck, man, this is a guy that you know seemed to be on top of the world. Part of the zeitgeist for. Several years. I mean, he's one of those people that you, you see him and you you know who he is, and always dancing and smiling and just it really it is just a cause for pause to really think, man. How can somebody that up? I mean, and, and he was posting uh, dancing videos with his wife Sunday, you know, just smiling and having a big time, and like, man, how do you go from that to that? Well, I don't think fast? you go from it, Tristan. I'm sure he's been battling his whole life. But what how was, do you fake it like that? Well, a year or two ago, wasn't it Kate Spade, who's you know one of the biggest fashion show, design, yeah. yeah, one of the biggest fashion designers in the world, multimillionaire. So obviously, that really has nothing to do with it. It's it is amazing though because you do feel like, and again, you know, you see stuff. Check on your happy friends. You know, you never know, and, and you know, and obviously, I've I've battled some depression. I don't never obviously to the point of that. Um, but you know, and I'm sure most people have, I'm sure most people sure. can find periods of their time that sure. or their life that were hard. And people who tell about. you they don't, and, and I love Lucas to death, but so oh, I've never been depressed. Well then, you know, in a sense you have never lived. I mean, how the fuck have you never been depressed? What are you doing on your phone, man? Business? Business, unfortunately. God. Damn, I'm these kids. Yeah. These you're kids. on your phone as much as I, I am. Not, I have not touched my not phone. Not today, I'm but waiting, generally speaking. I'm, no, no, I'm not, on, I'm not on my phone a lot. I'm waiting for a spam call so we can put them on the air. That would be funny. Yeah, I'm waiting for a Wallingford call. I want to get Kelly on the show. Oh, that would be we'll cool, too. To put Seriously, on. are you conducting business? Yeah, I've got a Rockin' Robbins commercial. So I'll say to Raymond, trying. like, I'll, I'll say to you what I said. Give me your phone, right? And that just pisses him <laughs> off. Because we're watching something, and you can't watch it if you're on your phone. Dad, I'm watching. No, you're not watching. But no, that's a true tragedy and um obviously you knew him better than i did but so what are they saying any reports or i, well, I, I think I mean, he I, th I think i heard yesterday gunshot gunshot yeah oh, God dang. but i don't know like is that i just celebrated his uh, anniversary with his wife uh ninth anniversary i guess so i i don't know man i i think that's a obviously we're not prepared to have it but that's a phenomenal conversation uh, you know how somebody could be that debilitatingly uh, mentally challenged or ill and you know and to just be able to keep that hidden i mean the focus on anxiety and and depression and 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 all of that and better living through you know uh, pharmacology is is relatively new suicide not new suicide's no, been with us since the first people so i think shakespeare called suicide the family melancholy if you look you can sometimes see um a pattern in families um and again to your point we're very uneducated on this so i don't profess to say anything that's you know don't take this to the the bank but um I, you know, so then the question becomes, is everybody capable? And I'm sorry to make a terrible joke on the heels of Twitch. May he rest in peace. But I remember um, our, our good buddy, Louis C.K., saying, do you realize everyone you see today is just a person who decided they would not commit suicide? <laughs> That's 
pretty, pretty good, pretty accurate. Yeah. But, now Lucas would say, "Oh, I don't understand that. I've never once thought about that." Hey, kudos to you. Well, you my, my best friend, uh, Fenton, been on the show, and like to, to to have a conversation with him, and we've had it many times. Like he's, you know, he was with me through you know the times of my life that were hard and and bad mentally. And, you know, to talk to him, I don't know that he's ever had a day where he doesn't you know, get it. Like he's been sad. And and if you've been depressed, you know, the massive difference between sad and depressed. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's been sad many times, but, you know, I don't think he's ever dealt with anything. And, and so it, it is I, I'm fuck amazed by people that can say that. There's so much to that conversation because, you know. I, so I've never been to an analyst. I'm sure it would have helped me. I sit no judgment. I'm not saying any, anything. Hey, if Tony negative. Soprano can go, Amen. And De Niro, um, which was just a you know analyze the analyze, analyze movies. Yeah, yeah, analyze me, analyze this, which yeah. were funny, but they were just True. ripoffs of Sopranos, right? Yeah, um, taken a little further. But uh, you know, the death of your mom at 19. So I, I said my brother was 15. Now, does that set you up? Like, does that? Does that peel the wounds and, and just expose that wound so deeply that you then can deal like everything else there is, uh, uh, except God forbid, perhaps the loss of a child. But you know what I'm saying? Something that catastrophic, does that set you up for life and make you a little bulletproof? Or uh, see, Tristan, and then, so that's the 1970s. And I know I've told this story. It's 1979 that mom died, December 18th. And what's today? 15th? 15. That was a miserable yeah. Christmas. Oh, so she'll be gone 43 years. Jesus. Um, I was a 19-year-old kid. And my brother was a sophomore in high school, 15 years old. Now, mind you, he's taught 35 years now. So move forward 35 years, and he talks about you know guidance counselors coming to him and, hey, take it easy on Trisden. His folks are fighting. Or it might not even be that severe. You know, they're having a bad day. His point is, I was a kid in 1979, 15, sophomore in high school. My mother died. Doesn't really get much more tragic than that. Doesn't even remember a guidance counselor or teacher saying a word to him. He took his three days off school. We did what we had to for mom, buried her. He went back to school and go on with your life. Pretty amazing. Excuse me. Pretty amazing. So then you ask, has all the focus on... You know, self-improvement and anxiety and, and, and your, how you're feeling and empathy and so forth made kids better or worse. I mean, you heard my brother say on this show that he thought kids today were better than we were in the 70s. But I think he was talking about behavioral because they do have this thing attached to them, the cell phone, where mom and dad can contact them at any time. But as far as emotionally, I don't know that we asked him that. And I, you know, as a father of two and a manager of 20 millennials, emotionally the kids are pretty fucking tender yeah i would think i mean they are yeah they just you know you hate to be the old curmudgeon but god damn it sometimes you got to suck it up and you know no I'm, i mean i'm not even yeah. being a, an asshole no no it's, it's still it's funny a, whether you know, i know you're serious and, but. and but you sound like an old oh you don't get it you don't understand but man you know i get it i do get it my mother died when i was 19 i, yeah. I, I do have a little latitude in this subject sure and I understand the pain of it. And, and you know, I lost my brother-in-law soon to be nine years ago. Best friend I'll ever have. And I know, and this is in no way to be disrespectful to my mom. But the loss of Vince was as big. I, you have to put your mother first on that hierarchy. But to lose him, I was 53, lifelong friend. We're going to live out together the next 20 years down here and figure things out. And we're going to learn to lo- uh, uh, the city of Louisville because our both kids are both at U of L. And. That's just going to go on and on. And he was gone like that. And I mean, God damn, it just crushed me and still think about him every day or, you know, close to it. It's been almost nine years. But um, just so I've experienced some wicked loss. And, 
you know, I guess, Tristan, when that happens, you have two options. You can go inside yourself and, and, and expect the world to coddle you. But, you know, the unfortunate thing, I think the lesson that these kids maybe don't know is the world doesn't really coddle you. People move on and, you know, I guess so do you have to. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and now, you know, I know it's harsh, but. Well, speaking from losing my mom, I think one of the weirdest kind of hardest things for me, which was sort of like you, like right around Christmas, I think mom passed on November 16th, like two or three days or whatever before Thanksgiving. And then, you know, obviously got Christmas right around the corner. But the, the, the thing for me that was really hard and, you know, you go to your other family Thanksgivings, you my in-laws and stuff and people are just normal. And, you know, you're, right. you're sitting there right. in your own mind like, right. you know, this is a nightmare. Right. And everybody's like, eh, want some more turkey? You know, right. and it, it is right. really tough to realize that as much as you want the world to revolve around you, like people, you know, don't give that big of a shit. Right. You know, if they care about you, they'll make an effort and make a token effort and they'll try. But yeah. you ultimately, like, if we're it, not we're not as individually as important as we want to believe. If you If you die and there's four people who don't get over your death, you know, that quickly, I think you've lived a pretty good life. Like in the case of Vince, it would have been his wife, his kids, myself, probably his sister, Peggy, maybe his brother, Frank. Um, You know, that's a legacy if, because people do go on and you have to go on, you know, they show the respects and no, I I get all that. But uh, back to this age group. And again, I'm 62. So you do sound old. I talk to Andrew about this all the time. The the young guy who, you know, well, at, at, East at Eastern at uh, Galaxy, who has become kind of like an adopted son, but he does listen some to the podcast. So Andrew, I apologize if I sound like I'm picking on you. Great kid, great employee, probably. great guy. Every time I see him, I, 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 it's a, a better day from having spoke to Andrew. I like him a lot. Yes, but boy, he and his you know cohort of 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 friends and so forth struggle enormously with the whole you know. Uh, suck it up and, and head on you know it's it's the um y- you know the the touchy feeliness sometimes I, I i don't know how to have this conversation without sounding a like an old curmudgeon b crusty and and c cold-hearted but the world is kind of cold-hearted it is Un- so the sooner you learn that lesson the better yeah. you are and i guess we've tried to mitigate that lesson from about 1995 on and these kids are a product of that which begs a whole nother conversation which is you know the great intentions of the left because let's be honest tristan conservatives ain't sitting around saying oh you know we got to do more for kids and be more empathetic it's liberals <laughs> it's, yeah, there's not a big empathetic wave. there is not a big empathetic wave on the right so you know yeah. they've got a lot of good ideas but they're still the and, pull and, them up by the bootstraps it's the some- some merit to that again it's just like the same merit that that goes to the left in trying to do you know to trying to do for people and to try and be empathetic but again you you do have to have that reality check somewhere in the middle i mean one of the things i always think about my job and and probably same for you like i deal with people every day you know that i am either selling or taking care of their account or you know making commercials whatever you know through the course of my day like i don't have the luxury to have a mental health day where i'm an <laughs> asshole like i don't get to be a dick like i'd never have a day where somebody can say something and i'm like well fuck you i'm not gonna you know you so 
you know, with certain jobs and certain positions, I mean, you don't really have the luxury gotta be a of diplomat. being inside your feelings. Like you don't. Now, get that's to interesting. Say, oh, you know, I well, that's really interesting. So there again is another lesson. Perhaps that's it right there. That that the and again, I know, I know the the stereotype that I'm representing, like the great line on Modern Family when uh, when uh, Al Bundy Jay when Jay Ed says, O'Neal. "Do you realize the stereotypes I have to live with as an older white guy?" Okay, I get all that. That's <laughs> which is a great line, right? But um, that's a great lesson there. That's why I always say just sitting here chatting with you is fun because that's a wonderful way to put it. You, Why do you expect that the world has to be feel woe for you because you're having a bad day? That's not the way the world works. you got to go right. out and present yourself the best way that you can. And here's the bottom line that I think is missed and isn't taught anymore. This is going to be harsh. So prepare yourselves. The world doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. Well, you know, even growing up when I did, 1980 on, you know, in schools, there was a a big effort towards, you know, individuality and you're special and you're important. Right. Sure. Your generation started it, really. And there's something to be said for some of that. There is. But at the end of the day, like, are we? No. You know, you make the point. You're important when you prove you're important by succeeding and doing things that... Make your society and community and family better. And to make it political, that is solely on the backs of the left. So you say, yes, the left is always well-intended. I get it, right? I understand that they're always trying to, um, you know, mitigate the problems that life throws at you through these programs, but they don't look at the fucking result, right? So where are the lefties who's now 25, 30 years into this experiment who can say, mm, maybe this hasn't gone so well. If you look at the end result, we've got a lot of really maladjusted kids because we've told them they're great and we've told them that everybody cares and that's they're finding that's not the case, so they don't know how to deal. Maybe we should back off from this a little bit, figure out a new approach. But I don't see that happening. No. And, you know, and I think back to, to growing up playing sports and – you know, something, and again, I'm 100 years old at this point, and it's irrelevant. But just being on social media and Facebook, you know, I get to follow all my friends and their kids who are playing sports. And man, the picture spreads that you get for playing middle school basketball now, and there's, you know, like 10 poses, you know, somebody's holding them up while they dunk, and they're looking sullen holding a basketball with shadows on them, and, you know, shooting a three pointer with some, you know, some background lights. And it's just all these pictures, and it's like, Man, no wonder these kids think they're so fucking important. <laughs> there like, you go. You know, it's like this full this photo shoot, you know, like a Foley middle school. And good. I mean, I'm sure these pictures, these kids are going to love Yeah, them. but again, is but, it? Yeah, you're right. But so the I, I importance can su- that we put on middle schoolers playing a sport is. Uh, so I can sum it up this way, Triz. Having done this with Raymond, travel baseball, travel soccer, spending the weekend, yada, yada. And again, I loved every minute. But here's the way I put that. I am relatively sure my parents love me, but I am 100% certain they would never have gone for an entire weekend, spent money on hotels, (laughs) food, to watch me play fucking baseball or soccer for an entire weekend. You know, first of all, they couldn't have afforded it. We have disposable money that they didn't have. But yeah, think about that, man. That is great. That is so funny, Tristan. And that uh, wasn't my town didn't even know about sports like that. So, but but again, no. the stuff I'm talking about is 
actually school-sanctioned, you know, stuff, which right. is just amazing. But, uh, yes, and, like, you look at the travel ball and the stuff these kids get to do. And, man, I've not met a parent in the last 10 years that didn't think their kid was going to go play D1 something. Right, right. Or one. professional, yeah. So here's what I would love. If somebody's out there cringing, saying, you two assholes, especially <laughs> you old fat bastard who's bald now, you you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry you lost your mom at 19, but you're just an asshole. That's terrible. And you two have things no heart. can be true at the same time. Well, no, I would love to invite that person in and tell me, tell us what we have wrong about that. Again, the left, I'm familiar with the left. My politics lean left. I know liberal mindset quite well it's always well intended sure the intentions are always noble but sometimes the results do not the end result is not noble you're not doing these kids favors and again where are the lefties you know uh, well, Limbaugh's gone now, but Hannity and Carlson and all these fuckheads on Fox, they can sit there and question it, but we don't give a shit about them because they are, they come across. I've often said this about Limbaugh, Tristan. He made some great points. I agreed with him. But if he wasn't such a boisterous asshole who showed no empathy, sure. I would have opened the door for him. That's it. So I don't get the no empathy from the right. Fuck that. Yeah. But the over empathy from the left. Fuck that, too. So yeah. where are the lefties who are saying, you know what? Some of this shit has really gone awry and we have to reexamine it. No, they're just pushing further and further. And and they're also causing that divide to be more severe. Right. And again, you, you take something that I think would be important, which would be as a parent, if, if you have a, a, a child that was trans or homosexual or on the LBGTQI plus spectrum. Um, you know, I think... As a society, I think parents overall, not all, but most have gotten much better at acceptance and, you know, being, you know, good parents regardless no of, of what your, your, your kids I, I agree. Choice and that's not, a good thing. Not choice or how they're born or, you know, whatever. That's a good thing. Um, however, like, you know, you'll see a story pop up every six months of like a parent that, you know, won't let their one-year-old be gendered and, and, and stuff. And they just make this huge thing where they can't label their kids throughout their whole life that they have to, you know, again, these are the people on our side that just take it too far. I mean, mm -hmm. again, you know, if you have a, a little girl that decides not decides again, I keep saying that's not what I mean. A little girl that's a lesbian and at seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever years old that she said, Oh no, I'm definitely a lesbian. Then, you know, then you start having that conversation, but you, do you really start out as we're just going to ungender you and give you a neutral name like Pat? To, I don't know. No, no, but again, I think we go too far with a lot of that. Well, so it, it, here's the thing. If you are going to do that, then you have to be able to explain it. And this is what I've often said. This is one of the things that Andrew gets mad at me about, the young man who was referenced before. Well, we don't have to explain that. You just have to accept it. And that's not ex I'm putting words in his mouth, but essentially that's his take. No, see, if the divide is great, you, you're going you're gonna to expect a, a, a fucking fourth-generation farmer in Nebraska, Iowa, Kentucky to just accept. No, you've got to be able to at least explain what it is. You can't pick on him for being backwards and narrow when you're asking him to accept no gender. Don't you understand there's no gender? Uh, pretty sure. Or, or sex, whatever, Brielle. When you sure. still need to get Brielle in here. Because she'll wind up mad at me too, but um, <laughs> but I no, I take your point on that, and that's and that's probably the biggest thing. And here's where Fox leaves me cold because they're just gonna hammer this home, man, because they know it's a wedge issue that plays well with those farmers in Kansas and Iowa and Kentucky and Christian conservatives, and they're just gonna beat it to death. 
Every fucking show is the transgender this, the transgender well, that. They Here would, they come. They're out to get, you know. And they would have you believe the entire party the is, entire, is, you, you know, know, is the farthest left version of a story right. that you've ever heard on exactly. insisting your children do drag or something, <laughs> right. you know, to fit in. With the uh, ena- oh, Not enablers, the um, uh, groomers, the groomers, the right. groomers oh, are all God. out. That stuff is so horrible and, <sighs> and completely untrue. Yeah, just garbage. Yeah, it's it's um, it, it is one of my most passionate subjects, though, because I, you know, Trizen. At the end of the day, and this will probably sound um, condescending and pretentious, I actually feel bad that these kids have no coping skills. Well, and they have some, but yes, okay. it, it is. Okay. I, I have little coping skills, and I think it's tough. But again, man, it, it you know I. Looking at the the early aughts for me, being in my twenties, I mean, I was a mess. I, I don't know, you know, if in your twenties, I mean, I did, oh I did bad in my twenties. I was, yeah. you know, I worked, you know, I didn't miss a day of work, but you know, I was not mentally, right. you know, anywhere near where I am you know, I was, today. So it was, I was high and drunk a lot. Yeah. So I mean, there is some empathy to give people the time to figure it out. Like you're okay. not going to be as yeah. in place at okay. twenty two as you that's are. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, but yeah, and that's probably where the age. My age factors in because you yeah. you lose your patience and that and, and you're in a better spot and and, you know. and you're personally in a better sure. spot and that's a very that's a very good way to put it okay mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll buy that so again, so do I have to take back everything I just said for the yeah, last so half we'll just, hour you, Troy if you would just edit out everything <laughs> that whole conversation lefties goddamn these fucking people uh, <laughs> but no it's it's a it's a societal debate that is of crucial importance because. You know, so much is being asked by the left right now. And to just have, oh, you're out of the mainstream, you're out of touch, you don't uh, you don't understand your your Christian faith, your religious faith is is an impediment to everything I'm saying. So F you. Nah, to me, that's not a good answer. No, I agree. And, you know, and while we're sort of on that that uh, topic of parenting, man, the parenting from the time. You know, I'm sure when you were a kid, to even when I was a kid, to now, and it sort of goes back to the the middle school basketball, you know, that's photo a great, shoot. That, that's a great but, example. But man, the the over parenting now and the involvement of parents well, my brother in every did talk aspect. about that. Yeah, when we asked him what's changed in 35 years, and and I was pretty specific with that question, and he was like, "Oh my God!" And I knew that 15 years ago when Danny Hope was coaching football at Eastern, and he and I had gotten pretty close before he left for Purdue, and. Uh, he said, you know, Danny was on the national championship teams in the early 80s. He's my yeah. age. And he said that he would have fathers of players call his office to ask why his son wasn't playing. Right. And it just blew Danny away. He said, my father would no more have done that than poke his own eye out. Yeah. I mean, this is D1 football. This right. isn't fucking eighth grade. Yeah. Come on, man. And even those parents could maybe calm down a little bit. But, it, I mean, even outside of sports, I mean, you know, and again, I know it's it's a scarier world because I think – Every time a kid's abducted now, we see it on Dateline and we see it on the news. And and again, I'm not saying don't parent. You should know where your kids are. You should have a good idea who they're with. Mine didn't. <laughs> they really didn't. I've yeah. told you, my buddy John Rysick, who's the same age as me, two months older, both born in 60, graduated high school in 78. John said to me one day, you ever remember your parents asking you how you were getting home? I was like, no. You went out and you got home. 
Right. <laughs> no, but but you know that and that's probably not the best. But yeah. I, were we better for that, Tristan? Eh, maybe. Well, you do learn to be functional as a human, you know, and you I do think learn. So. About, and to me, that's the difference between homeschool and sending your kid out to public school. And again, I'm sure there's situations where you can be a great homeschool teacher and you can learn every single lesson in every single book. But I don't know that you're learning how social skills social skills work and how to talk to girls or guys or you know whatever. Sure. And, and so I always, for that reason, feel like, man, it's, uh, you're putting a kid behind the eight ball with, with complete homeschooling. Uh, look, again, another stereotype. You say, I'm going to get it. But real canceled. quick before you interject. Sure. But, but same, same for, um, uh, for parenting. I feel like if you don't allow your kids to figure it out some and make some decisions and figure out a ride home now and again, you know, it's no, it never happens ball. now, though. Right. It almost never happens. Yeah, go ahead. Well, again, this is going to sound very stereotypical and, oh, how dare you? And I'm sure somebody will hear this and get offended. We see homeschooling school groups come into galaxy these are socially awkward kids they're socially awkward kids sorry yeah. they are well i mean it's you i don't know that you can even there's not enough room in a day to discuss how much you get just from learning how to you know not pick on a kid because you'll get hit or right. learn how to ask a girl out that's gonna say no and then you internalize or whatever or yes and you know just the value of all those lessons from kindergarten on you know i mean uh, and of course i guess you're gonna get some of that you know on play dates maybe or you know on some other way that you're around kids socially but man i you just can't put a value on learning what you learn in a public grade school right yeah there's just so much to that yeah life's best lessons have a cost man and i guess the left has tried to eliminate those costs and you know protect kids from hurt and harm and i get it it's fine uh, it's not fine I, I, the it's intent fine to is want noble. your kids to not but, be yes harmed. again i'll say the intent is noble but often the end result i mean i can even put it into a uh, you know what i won't i'll tell you a personal story off air in case anybody is listening that won't you know, sometimes you do. Discretion is the better part of valor. But at any rate, that's a, to a topic that, again, I'll just reiterate, is just to me so vitally important because it's, 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 I don't want to say it's at the crux of our political division, Tristan, but boy, it's important. And this transgender issue is sort of, you know, again, Fox uses it because it's wonderful red meat for their listening audience. Sure. And they ain't going away from it. Right. And and do you see Marjorie Taylor Greene's speech this week? There's just the... Um, if she had run January 6th, people would have been dead. Well, she and we'd said have taken that. Over. And then, then she also had this sidebar about Target selling dildos. And, oh, no. And just did like two minutes, like the nerve of society to sell dildos at, at Target. And it was just like... Oh, Target selling dildos. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought you were saying to Target. Okay. Oh, no, no, sorry. So the store Target is selling Correct. dildos. Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean... Really? Does the right not masturbate? I, I don't. I don't know. I, to me, I mean, whatever people want to do in the privacy of their own bedroom, I mean, by all means, have at it. I mean, what a weird thing to be up in arms about. So, what is that section like? <laughs> I, I've never seen the dildo section at Target. <laughs> so let's see. When you're making your fucking list, we need eggs, mayonnaise, some chicken breast. <laughs> Couple dildos, long dong silver. <laughs> yeah. So there's a dildo section in Target. I mean, I, I, not that I agree with Marjorie, but you know, 
is there ways to do this more discreetly? Yeah, perhaps. And maybe it is discreet. I've yeah. never, again, I've not found <laughs> the dildo the aisle in Target. But I've know. seen the cucumber just, section. Just this fake outrage. Like, this lady <laughs> cheated on her husband, but, oh, a dildo is so, you know. No, there's a lot of fake outrage. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that the right is is the, um, and the, let me, the let they me have made right. fake outrage a, a cottage industry. Right. And, and, and I do live in a dildo-free household. But, again, if. <laughs> well, they, you're in it, so, no, you don't. Oh, that's a good one. And accurate. Uh, but in a uh-huh. p- portable version of myself. But again, you know, if your neighbors want a dildo or whoever, you know. Who yeah, no, I could. I, I agree 100%. But, you know, walking down the aisle with Target, you got your six-year-old kid. Oh, mommy, I'm going to pick out the, the couple of, uh, you know, apples. Man, or, oh, what are those? But again, I don't think there's <laughs> no, like a huge, you know, huge veiny cock I did. on the box or anything. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> Oh, Lord, that's so funny. But she is a, an interesting woman. God, she keeps herself in the news, you know. Yeah, it's... And something about Trump uh, uh, floating that he was going to uh, throw himself his hat in the ring for Speaker of the House. What? He's supposed to be making some big oh announcement today. Uh, it keeps himself viable, doesn't he? What? I, man, at this point, uh, I don't, I don't know. That's think, such a cartoon. I don't think you have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. I don't know that it's ever happened in the history of the country, but I think the Constitution is such, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure. If you are a constitutional scholar and I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm not certain you have to be a member of Congress. Well, and you're only assuming the Constitution matters to Donald. Well, Trump. you're also I only would... assuming the Constitution matters matters to Donnie. Very true. Yeah. So Trevor Noah gone? Oh, is he gone now? Yeah. He's on his last he, Daily he's Show. Done. Yeah. Last, I have to admit, I had kind of fallen off and and wasn't watching lately. But he's gone. So have they named a replacement? No, I think they're going to do uh, guest hosts uh, for a year. So Trevor's and, gone. Uh, yeah, and I'll say this about Trevor Noah: talented, well spoken, good looking, smart. Every single adjective to describe Trevor Noah, I think, would be accurate, except funny to me. I did not find him funny in the least. Really? In the least? I mean, man, if I watched every show for a week, I might chuckle once. Wow. I mean, he did some great impressions. His Trump was solid. It was a solid Trump. I'll give him that. He does a few good impressions, but again, I just... I mean, I take your point somewhat. He 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 sort of it was. Oh, I don't know how you say and, and this. Saying was, he's not funny to me is not saying he's not funny. But he's wasn't yeah, funny. It wasn't to your me. choice, right. right? You never saw the humor. I, I think sometimes he maybe reached a bit. It was a little pressed. It didn't flow. There was some of that, and he. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to knock on him. I mean, right. he's a talented guy, but you know, he would do a lot of these weird. I don't know voices and like camera shots. Where the like camera would switch and he was playing a character, then it would switch back and it was him again, and it was like ah, just uh, made me. So what's cringe. his future now? Is he? I, my theory is he's going to replace Corden with okay. the, with James Corden leaving. He'll he'll take that. Has he? Uh, how many years now? It's been six, seven, 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 yeah. seven-ish. Yeah, I saw where he put his uh, twelve million dollar Manhattan flat for sale. Oh wow! Yeah. Good to be Trevor. Trevor. He's, yeah, good to be Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also a guy who's dealt with uh, anxiety and depression very publicly. Yeah. I think I think he's a wonderful guy. I actually read his book. I think if you met Trevor Noah, you'd find a, a true good. I think so. Person. I, you do, know? I yeah. agree. So best of luck to Trevor. Yeah. So, but maybe, and and I really really love John. And to me, Stewart did such a good job on the Daily Show. It was a tough replacement anyway. Right, and he changed television a little bit. And that well, it's so funny, Tristan. 
because I've thought about this, right? Fake news, fake news. Fucking John Stewart started. For, well, he didn't. You know, uh, HBO used to do not necessarily the news right. back in the day, which yeah. was a news spoof. Uh, and but SNL's I think been I, doing I, weekend updates since I, 1975. That's fair too. Yeah, but but Stewart became the first one where people were actually going to him for they news. They were getting their news from the fake yeah, news. Man. Yeah, man. And it. yeah, it's getting their news from the fake news. But again, I think also, and some of these comedians do this to their own detriment, they could step back, oh, we're just a comedy show. But also, it was real news. Stuart? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would make jokes about the actual news. Exactly. But it was the actual news. It was the actual right. news. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It was, um, it was, and then John Oliver kind of took that to another place. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, he does something nobody's ever done. You, you know, he takes 20 minutes and it's, it's hard hitting. It's 20 minute expose. Exactly. That he makes you laugh during it, but it's serious shit. And he's making some enemies on that show. Oh, like that God. is, there are some big people he is that are not happy with John Absolutely. Oliver. Absolutely. And he, you know. Man, good for him to have the balls to do that show. Boy, he does too. I mean, he's got yeah, balls because that show is, you I mean, know, the people and, he's taking on, Big Pharma, et cetera. And, man. you know, it's funny, Tristan, to be kind of a wormy looking nerdy guy with a British accent is he's a warrior. He really I mean, he's yes. a fucking warrior, Oliver. Yeah, I agree. All right, brother. Well, I don't know. I think we're 55 minutes in. I have no idea if we've accomplished anything. Do, do we ever? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but you said. You looked at numbers and they looked a little. Um, yeah, uh, this month. Uh, I don't want to say impressive, December, but encouraging. They looked yeah. encouraging. Well, anytime the trend is up, it's it's a nice thing. Well, so. when you have two listeners, if you get to four, you're doubled. That's it. And you know what I've been doing to double our, our numbers is I listen twice. <laughs> Can you put up with me twice? You just mute out my part. You, know, you listen to yourself I, I, twice. I, I set my alarm so it, it plays while I'm sleeping at night, and, and, and you know I've got the volume low. So yeah. All right. Anything so, else coming up? We're getting closer to Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Any big uh, Christmas holiday traditions for you? Uh, yeah, we always like we talked about when we mentioned Christmas movies. At some point, we will get together and watch Christmas Vacation. Um, but no, not really. We we do uh, we used to do dinner at Nancy and Vinny's, and that's sort of fallen by the wayside on Christmas Eve. We always do a Christmas dinner, typically at my mother-in-law's, and then we host New Year's. Nice. So, What do you guys yeah. do for New Year? Um, yeah, just have a uh, ham. As far as food goes, just have just, the family over and nice. have a nice meal. Do the ball drop, everybody stay till New Year? And all oh, that. gosh, no. Those days have sailed. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in bed. You know, I used to have to work it at Galaxy, but I've gotten out of that now as I've gotten older. Oh, hopefully you brought me some copy for New Year, by so, the way. I did. Actually, I'm glad you said that. It's Don't let me forget it. I did. Nice. I did indeed. Thank you. Oh, and uh, speaking of holiday traditions, Ray... I got you. Uh, got you some Christmas presents. Oh fuck! I'm gonna have you to can... get you something. Else. No, you don't have to, man. Stacey I'm not. Uh... Abrams. Oh, my dad, Yogi. Look at that. Couple books written I know by you're Dale Barra. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. My dad, Yogi. A memoir of family and baseball. Yogi was something, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Jer- a Jersey guy. Lines. I'm pretty sure. Nice. I, I only know. bought you Jersey books. Oh, <laughs> Stacy Abrams. Yeah. Although Stacy is, um, she's fascinating. I think it might be a good read, but you know, I haven't. You know, I just picked them up. I thought, well, one's political and one's uh, well, New so York much. baseball. Yeah, man, That's absolutely. Fantastic. I'm embarrassed because I have nothing uh, no, to give no you. No problem. You still got plenty of time. I do. I do. Um, but she didn't fare so well in this, you know, election in November and in, in, in as governor. So what's her political future now? I, I do think she has a political future. I think she's done a, a, a an enormous job motivating. 
voters. Black women to vote yeah. in Georgia. And yeah. I think you can you see the results all over the state. Now, there was an ad run today. I just heard it driving here. I always try and listen to 15 minutes of news because maybe something will come up that we can talk about, which wasn't necessarily the case. But, um, of course, I had Fox on. Not of course, but I happen to have Fox on. You wouldn't have heard this on MSNBC. And there were a group of Democrats. And, of course, you're not watching it. You're listening to Sirius, so you don't see the video. But the audio was it's the, serious. It's the uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. The uh, uh, Fox and Friends, right? Those three yeehaws. Um And the audio is these Democrats, four or five of them in succession, saying, "Please don't run, Joe. Joe, don't run, Joe. We want to win. Please don't run, Joe." So that's out there. I, and I don't know what what's your hunch on, on Joe Biden running? Yeah, it scares me, <clears throat> but. Man, if, if it's, it's an awful lot of power to give up, if he, it's a lot of power to give up, I think if he's still healthy, I think he's got a lot to run on. And I think uh, he, he's going to go down in history. And again, I don't know, I want to sound like a Democrat sucking his own dick. But wow. I, I think uh, I think Joe's done a pretty darn good job. I, I think he's he's done a lot of things that he didn't have to do to, to take that he's took and will take some crap for. But he's also got a lot of pretty good stuff done for the country. Well, it may have been more, but one comedian said, um, you know, his age, everybody beats him up for how old he is. His age works in his favor because he's, fuck you. I'm t- I don't give a shit. Right. I, I'm not worried about what my political yeah. future is. Right. Or you know, I just, I'm going to do it, whether it's Afghanistan or, you know, signing this gay, uh, well, signing this Equality Marriage Act, whatever, whatever. Um, so, so there's that. But, I mean... He's not the future, right? So he's got a decision to make. Man, to me, it's so hard to say 50-50. But here's the thing that's weird. A year ago, the Democratic bench wasn't very strong. All of a sudden, now it is. I think Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer. Jesus. Gretchen Whitmer? Thank you. From Michigan is a very viable candidate. Won re-election in that state handily. and, And I think she would definitely sell on the national front. You know, it's time for a female. Um the governor of uh, Colorado, Polis, Jared Polis, who's interesting too. I think I'm pronouncing that right. P-O-L-I-S, who's an openly gay man. He's out front on that issue. Um, Yeah, Pete Buttigieg's still hanging around. I don't think he'll ever be president. But the bench got a little bit deeper for Democrats. Stacey Abrams, perhaps. You know, sometimes people lose an election and then wind up, you know, George Bush Sr. lost an election. Clinton lost an election for... uh, wasn't reelected as governor of Arkansas, then was. Yeah. So, you know, a, a loss of an election isn't always a political death knell. No, and I, Beto O'Rourke continues Beto to O'Rourke, lose run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think it'll be interesting. But I, I think if he's healthy enough and he wants to go, I mean, I think he intends to. I think his intention is to run again. I mean, he is the incumbent president. That helps. And he, you know what? But it, he could it, everything's also everything's not wild. Like we're not in a major war. Everything's not crazy. But he could also take this tact, which I think would be wonderful. He could stand up and say, "We were successful," which you know, Hannity's head blows off. But so be it. Here's my list of accomplishments. It's been one of the most successful four years in the history of the country. Um, and again, that's just such anathema to Republicans, which would make it more fun. And then say, I, "But the most important thing I did is I kept that knucklehead." out of the White House. Right. And I'm going to leave you that legacy and you take it from here. Yeah. And and I think at that point, everybody says, you're exactly right, President Biden. Thank you for your service. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be 87 at the end of a second term. He is getting up there. Yeah. But uh, again, I think you're also looking at a country. I mean, if you look at the midterm results, an incumbent president hasn't been 
I can't think of the word, but hasn't had that type of congressional election support since oh, like no. 1934 uh, or something? It was one of the best midterms so, in the history of the country. So, I mean, you have to, now, I mean, a lot of that is a repudiation against Trump. I was going to say, but, how much of that is a reflection of Biden and how much is, you know, and I had some fun with my sister because, Tristan, if I got one text talking about the red tsunami, I got 1,500. <laughs> the red tsunami back Boy, in March and April, the up. red tsunami, the red yeah. tsunami. So you got to have some fun with that. Right. You know, fucking red tsunami's ass. I mean, they couldn't even win the Senate. Yeah, it has a red puddle, you, you know. And there were it took five days for them to decide the, the House, right? And now it's fun to watch, you know. And this is something that doesn't get talked about. Democrats did the neatest. I don't mean, I don't mean neatest as in cool. But it was so efficient, so neatly done. How they brought in the new blood, Hakeem Jeffries and um, uh, uh, the, the three young people that are taking over for Pelosi and Henny Stoyer, you know, the leadership changed in the Democratic Party. They went young bloods. The Republicans are just battling each other. The, the ones that are saying they're not voting for McCarthy and leaving his ass out on the wire, this is opens it up for somebody like Trump to say, I'll be the speaker. You know, Republicans are fighting handily amongst themselves. The Democrats just tied it in a bow and moved on, which I think is credit to Nancy Pelosi. I think her political abilities are greatly underestimated by all of us. Right. And here's a, a little bit of knowledge, too, that the Republicans, you know, and Democrats, I, I've said on the show a hundred times, we shoot our own feet off so often. But Republicans, this is from Vice News, almost twice as many Republicans died from COVID before the midterms than Democrats. So like because they weren't vaccinated, and there was a lot of this vaccination yeah. vaccination messaging and stuff. So to me, look at this: you've got double the amount of Republican voters dead from COVID because of all the anti-vax messaging that you saw in every dark corner of the internet. Everybody's uncle was telling even was Fox, kill you. right? And also they vilified voting early and voting by mail, right? So Democrats are taking advantage of the and look, the future of voting is. You're not, not moving more to towards more showing people up on election up. day. Exactly. It's going to be more towards exactly. So the Democrats under Trump did such a great job of telling you why this voting early and voting by mail is so shady. And look, Democrats are going to take advantage of it, right? I, you know, and, and I want everyone's vote to count. I want sure. Republicans' votes to count. So I hate and the that more that, people that vote, the better. You exactly. want more people to vote. Look, yeah. if more people want the Republican ideology, then that's the country I want to live in. Yeah, but if they, you know, but. Uh, no, no, there's a mouthful. How many people on the right are saying that? If people none. want democratic ideology, none. then that's no. I, I, you know. I like living in a fair in, in a fair country where our elected officials are elected. And, and so much for the will of the people. Instead, they say, "Well, that had we couldn't lose to him. That election had to be or her. That election had to be rigged." Golly, right. that's when democracy ends. All right, brother, yeah. we did it again. I've got a great joke, if I do say Ooh, so myself. Let's hear if it. I do say so myself, this is brought to us by Aaron. Aaron at Berea Pond. At Berea Pond. And you got a little something-something? A little something, yeah. All right. So, guy walks into the house, says to his wife, what would you do if I hit the lottery? She said, I'd take half the money and I would leave you. He says, great. Here's six bucks. I just hit for 12. I'll see you around. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, there's so many who can relate to that. Yeah. Not, not me. Not, us. not me. Not no, us. no, no. I exonerate myself. Yeah. The present company excluded. Is so, that not great, though? Brandon, our, our, uh, our rather old country boy who, best mechanic I've ever seen, he told me that the other day. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. So I've got a story for you. Now, the, there is a joke attached to the story. I, I was a pretty big fan of this. So 
this story that happened to me this week. So this week was going for a walk. There was a hunting dog that was loose, hound dog, on uh, on the main road, sort of from my subdivision on uh, Highway. No mistake in a hound dog. Highway twenty one, exactly. Old red, sniffing right in the middle of the road, and I've you know my mom raised me in such a way that if I ever see a stray dog, man, I've got it. That's cool. Home, try to find somebody cool. to take it in. So Saint Francis of Assisi. Hey, nice. Um, so we get the dog taken. Patron home. saint of animals. Very cool. Yeah. I assume that, but didn't say it. So. Take the dog home. Put it on uh, Facebook. Uh, there's some good lost and found animals in Madison County uh, pets. So put it on there. And, and uh, the dog, I guess there was two of them. I guess they probably got lost on a hunting expedition or whatever. So there was two dogs. One of them I maybe has found an owner already. Not very good bloodhounds if they're getting lost. Right. <laughs> so maybe they're not the absolute best at their job. But nonetheless, they deserve a nice home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was a guy on one of the threads, because it had been posted a month prior, that those two dogs... And there, there was a guy on the post that was like, man, if you find those dogs, I will take them, raise them. Oh, wow. Them. Cool. And I was like, oh, okay. So, but nobody was able to catch the dogs for a month. So wow. we, we got the dogs home. And uh, this guy's like, you know, as soon as I get home from work, I'll come over and, uh, and, and pick her up. So I was like, great. You know, she's off the street. She's going to go to a nice home. It's all true, by the way. I know this is joke time, but this is just a okay. true story. No, that's cool. So um, one of the weird things, I don't know about weird, one of the things, there's like, Three little boys now in my neighborhood that are like between seven and nine years old. And if I'm outside, like they just want to come hang out. With oh, wow. So they want to come and, hey, what are you doing? And sometimes I'll ride a lap around the neighborhood on a bicycle with them or whatever. Do you they know? know you're supposed to be within a thousand feet of a school? You know what? I, I haven't mentioned that. Okay. I, I, I haven't done my yearly <laughs> walk and knock that I'm supposed to do. But uh, so, <laughs> that's horrible. Uh-oh. But uh, so the dog was, we had the dog out front waiting for the guy to come pick her up. And the two of the little boys came over to the house and they were petting the dog and, you know, kind of. <laughs> Just being seven, eight-year-old boys, just running around, jumping, being crazy, petting the dog. And um, they we're, we're slowly getting to the joke part. So I'm out there with them, and I'm, I'm petting the dog. Real sweet hound. And uh, the more you pet her, she was developing some dandruff on her coat, which I guess was from probably being free for a month, a month running yeah. around. Wow. And uh, the, one of the little boys says, what is that, what is that on, on her hair? And I said, actually, I think that's dandruff. And the other little boy said, I swear to God, don't you mean dand rough? <laughs> and I was good like, hey, God. that's pretty good. So for like a seven-year-old kid, that was a pretty good joke. Now He's got a future. Not probably worth the story it took to get to it, <laughs> but nonetheless made me laugh. Damn. So the Bad Wolf Gaming of Trisden's joke. And the bad. dogs met with a happy ending? Dog, the guy showed up. Her dog? T- took her home. I added him on Facebook so I could kind of follow along with her life, but it seemed like a nice enough guy. That's great. Army that's great. veteran, has a very eight, cool. 18 acres and uh, going oh, toward that's Rock great. That's so, great. Yeah. That's very so cool. So happy ending for the pup and, uh, and got a nice joke out of the little yeah, that's boy. That's great, man. Randomly. That's, that's so. funny. Yeah. All right, brother. So we'll get together once before Christmas, yeah. and then I think maybe take a week off. We're gonna finally take one week off. Let's do it. Let's let's take a and week then regroup and regroup, rest, and figure it out. Yeah, give Sounds our listeners good. a break. Give our listener a break. <laughs> All right, man. that's right. Thanks, Jimmy. Tris. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jimmy. All right. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, Nate. That's it. Bad Wolf, Reapon. Go, go patronize our people. Yes, please. indeed. All right. Bye, bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.
Trisden here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.